Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Reaching Out Radio International and this week's live broadcast of The Way of Healing. My name is Susan Brozek. I'm a licensed clinical Christian psychotherapist and founder of Healing Word Psychotherapy Services, my private practice. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Tonight, we are going to be taking a look at struggling with substance abuse. And this will be kind of a special topic. This is sometimes a difficult topic for people to get their minds around, and a lot of judgment and shaming occurs, unfortunately, um, at times with this topic within a church context. And so my hope is that this program tonight will kind of help um, to break down um, some of the elements uh, that people experience in terms of feeling afraid to admit uh, that they're struggling with something or feeling stigmatized or feeling that perhaps um, they're not able to get set free um, from something that they're fighting against. So um, this is a program that's going to be filled with a lot of biblical uh, counsel and also with hope for healing. And so tonight we're going to be looking at that biblical perspective on addiction and tonight's focus as it pertains to addiction, is mainly going to be substances, uh, which would include alcohol, drugs, prescri- uh, prescription medications, etc. cetera, uh, what it means to be dependent upon substances of any kind, and what your heart is really longing for when you reach for a temporary way to self-medicate or to numb out. So the true solution um, is found in the sufficiency of God, Um, who longs to fill your soul with his comfort. And that's not just a trite phrase. We're actually going to talk through what that looks like. So this broadcast, like I said before, it's going to attempt to break off any self-condemnation or shame that can accompany those that struggle with substance abuse and offer some real answers um, for help in getting set free and healthy alternatives uh, when tempted or struggling with this issue uh, to no matter what extent. So let's go ahead and jump right in with tonight's topic. Um, Let's start with uh, talking about five different levels of using drugs and alcohol. And these five levels are going to go from no use all the way up to dependence. So first of all um, is someone who doesn't use at all. It's just called no use. And many people simply don't use um, any type of substances or mind-altering chemicals. They don't like the taste of alcohol, for example, or they don't like what the um, the uh, effects of the uh, drugs or medications might do to them, and so they simply choose to abstain entirely. Um, the second level is called the level of use, and this category uh, can be defined as using a chemical such as drugs or alcohol, to enhance an already pleasant experience or event or to self-medicate or numb out against something that um, is unpleasant or to stuff feelings. Um, So some people will drink socially or use substances socially, um, and they may fit into this category, such as nursing a drink or two at a wedding reception um, or occasionally after having a bad day, like I mentioned about numbing out or self-medicating, once in a great while they may have a drink or two at the end of a bad day. It's not regular, it's not a pattern, it's not a habit. Um, The third level uh, or category of use is called misuse. 
this category is defined by occasional problematic use and gets drunk or high at a, a party, even though that wasn't their intention. So they they had too much drink or um, used a substance but did not intend um, to get drunk or to get high. So many people learn from these types of experiences um, and they realize they don't want to go through that again and then they, they might return back just to the youth level. So some of these things can be fluid. They're not necessarily um, always staying at one neat stage forever, but a lot of people will adjust their youth level throughout the course of a lifetime. Um, then the fourth level um, is the level that we consider to be called abuse, substance abuse. Um, so if misuse is occasional problems, then we can say that abuse is regular or pattern problems resulting from the use of chemicals deliberately. Um, it's characterized by getting drunk or high at most or all social events. Um, instead of the, using the consequences of the episode of being drunk or hungover or embarrassed or as learning experience, um, a person who abuses chemicals continues to repeat the same behaviors over and over again, regardless of what the consequences are. So that's the difference between um, level three of misuse and level four of abuse. So in, in a case of level four of abuse, the chemicals have begun to interfere with this person's daily life. Um, so there's clearly some, some, uh, some behaviors and patterns that are beginning to change as a result of the abuse. Um, but still this person doesn't have um, control over the using, they can make some changes, or I'm sorry, they do have control over their using, they can make some changes and move back into lower levels if they wish. Um, but typically, if somebody's at a substance abuse level, they typically, not always, but usually will need some type of help um, to uh, come to a place where uh, they no longer feel the, the need to abuse the substance. Other people can do it just fine on their own, but this is the level where you start seeing people presenting, for example, for therapy or people presenting for rehab or to AA meetings, NA meetings, that type of thing, because they are trying to quit, but they uh, just need help in doing so. And then finally, um, the fifth level is called dependence. So um, once a person becomes dependent on drugs or alcohol, I'll just say chemicals to encompass both of them, they have lost control over their ability to use or not to use. So it seems as if the chemicals are actually now in control of them, and that's, that's the danger is um, a lot of people at this stage might still say, well, I can stop whenever I want to. But in actuality, when they try to do that, they realize this now has power over them. So they're no longer using it. It is using them. Um, and if you could kind of compare this to if you look at somebody who has the flu, for example, and what if they said, I think I'll be over this flu by noon today. Well, you know, the flu is in charge in that situation, um, not their statement that they'll be over it by noon. So a chemically dependent person um, would be drunk at a wedding reception despite the promises that, that they have, may have made that they wouldn't drink that time. Um, and then they have no ability or very limited ability to cease that behavior. Um, so we can also sub subdivide this category of dependence into early, middle, and late stages, um, kind of demonstrating that once somebody is chemically dependent, there is a downward progression, a downward spiral of that dependence. Um, and it's important to note that a person can progress from use, use which is level two, um, to dependence in a matter of just two or three months. So this, is, this process can be very rapid. Um, and I think that's important to realize. So the longer a person remains at the abuse level, which is level four, the more likely they are that they're going to cross over into dependence, and that's, that would be what we would consider full-blown alcoholism, full-blown drug addicts, those types of terms that are thrown out kind of in common vernacular. 
So I just want to say a word here um, on the loss of hope and its impact on substance abuse. Um, our society, society is really deficient in many, if you will, nutrients that foster, for example, respect, love, responsibility, spirituality, things like this that foster hope. Um, we don't tend to put a lot of focus on these things. Um, we're kind of wired to view things negatively, not saying that there aren't optimists, um, and realists, but um, people, just human nature tends to focus on problems, not necessarily on characteristics like respect, love, responsibility, and Christianity, spirituality. Um, and so, but those are the very things um, that when they're missing can make life more aimless and more painful. Um, and add to this fact that Many also come from families that provide few or none of the ingredients that encourage hope. So if you're from a family of origin that didn't cause you to be able to search for hope or focus on it or um, give you a sense of competency that you can um, overcome problems, then this can be made even more difficult. And, and also just being uh, living in this fallen world constitutes an enormous challenge, um, and especially – with the, the pandemic and the, the huge uptick in uh, the number of people that increased their alcohol and drug use really was literally off the charts because so many people chose those avenues to cope with all of the constantly changing volatile unknown factors about the virus and the recommendations for it and all the different things that went along with that. So, um, scripture actually um, has a lot to say about God's design uh, for us um, and his intentions and his purposes for human beings. And um, scripture talks about all creation groaning um, because of being in a fallen world. And God's paradise, uh, what he created for Adam and Eve, is not what we're living in now. Uh, most of us are familiar with scripture, understand that um, that there was a perfect world, if you will, a utopic world that was created for uh, Adam and Eve, and then uh, they rebelled in sin, and then the fall of man be, uh, began from there. And then we've seen, you know, depending on how old you believe the earth is, but thousands of years later now, we're living in... Um, quite a deteriorated um, version of what the Lord intended for us to live in. And so the scarcer that hope becomes, the more people will look for experiences to numb their need for hope and to numb their pain. Um, And so it's so important that we focus on what is still present in our lives and what we can still be grateful for. That's another topic, but it's also um, dovetails on this when we look at thinking patterns that are present in people that tend to abuse substances. Um, Also, medically, drug and alcohol abuse can carry a heavy physical toll on a person's body, Um, especially at risk are people that are long-term users. So long-term alcohol users, drug users, um, they can develop liver damage, uh, all kinds of different um, negative medical effects can occur from using and abusing substances and alcohol. We won't get into that piece tonight, but uh, diseases can even de- develop from it as well. And, and, and uh, in all honesty, so can death because people um, may not have a grasp on just how much they've drank or used, and um, there are a lot of accidental deaths that come from accidental drug overdoses. So understanding the biblical perspective on substance abuse and addiction can give us that hope that I was talking about before um, in, the, in the freedom of the Holy Spirit and how um, God's power and the power of the Holy Spirit can help us to be victorious and to be overcomers. Um, so the New Testament command in uh, Ephesians 5.18, it says, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Add a note in here, just uh, a lot of people 
it says do not be drunk on wine. Is it a sin to have a glass of champagne at your wedding, that type of thing? I, I personally don't believe that's the case. Um, so that's my personal opinion. But if it's someone who has a propensity um, to have that be a stumbling block, uh, either for themselves or someone they're with, then a wise choice would be to stay away from it. But it's not about a legalistic, you can never have a glass of wine in your lifetime. The scripture is clear by saying, don't get drunk on wine, um, but instead be filled with the spirit. So from this, we can see that being under the influence, and there's the term, under the influence of alcohol or spirits or, or illegal substances is not a healthy practice for us um, as believers. Um, and it's really for our benefit not to allow ourselves to get to that level. Um, an addict will seek relief from emotional pain, yet um, by pursuing relief through substance abuse, that person actually becomes a slave of that which he's supposed to be set free from. So he wants to get set free from emotional pain, but it winds up um, enslaving and causing bondage and a stronghold um, in the end. So, by contrast, Jesus declares in John 8, 31, 32, and 36, he says, if you hold to my teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So again, the Apostle Paul's words to us here are that we must not be mastered by anything. In other words, we don't need to be under we don't need to be controlled by anything, um, as stated in 1 Corinthians 6, which says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have received from God? Therefore, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Honor God with your body. So it's easy to see that addiction is not the answer to anything, although so many people fall into multiple types of addiction. Um, this broadcast, like I said, is focusing on alcohol and drugs, but there's certainly a, there's a dozen more types of addiction that we could go into um, on, on another broadcast, but that's not for tonight. So uh, many adults, uh, young people, even, even preteens and children um, are turning at times to drugs and alcohol to cope with the problems in their life, loneliness, stress, depression, rejection, abandonment. As I mentioned before, this past year, the, the quarantines, the pandemic, all these different things. So I've seen children at my practice of younger and younger ages beginning to turn to um, alcohol um, or other things just to keep, uh, just to get their minds off of everything that's going around them in a world that must feel so out of control especially as a child that, that hardly has lived much life pre-pandemic, if you will. Um, so the fallacy in the minds of people that use these substances is that the substances are going to dull the pain, uh, bring them freedom from pain, and bring them hope. And that is, all of it is false. Um, <laughs> those are all lies that the enemy uses to try to get people trapped in the cycle of abuse. And unfortunately, at best, there's only a short time of relief from the despair. And instead, when the effect begins to wear off, they discover not comfort, but an increase in pain, kind of a rebound effect of emotional pain, guilt or depression, et cetera. Um, and hope begins to draw dimmer in their sight, become dimmer in their sight. So I want to um, share some scriptures now, just um, giving you an example and a sampling of how much the Lord cares about this area um, and how um, substance abuse, uh, alcohol, is what's typically brought up in Scripture, um, can lead to the loss of hope and freedom. So Proverbs 20, verse 1, says, Wine is a mocker, and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. And it's interesting that these two types of alcohol are characterized differently. Wine being called a mocker, beer being called a brawler. I researched those in the original Hebrew. Old Testament is written in Hebrew. New Testament is written in Greek. And um, 
uh, wine being a mocker means it imitates uh, a feeling of some kind or a feeling of peace. So people might, oh, I need a glass of wine to unwind. I you know, just want to feel at peace. I don't want to feel stressed. So wine is a mocker. In other words, a counterfeit, the true peace that comes from the Lord. And beer is a brawler. Well, if you think of a brawl, you think of perhaps a bar fight, something like that. Um, there's also some countries in this world that are known for uh, particularly heavy drinking of beer and uh, fighting re- revolving around that. So it seems like there's an element of beer that tends to cause more of an argumentative or adversarial or contentious response when someone has had too much of it. I'm not talking about a sip or two. Um, And an element of wine tends to produce this false sense of peace or or just a mellowing out um, and a free flow of emotion. Um, Obviously, inhibitions are lowered by all drugs and all types of alcohol. But this is scripture. Scripture is describing these two types of alcohol in an interesting way. And then it's it's Proverbs 20, verse 1 goes on to say, whoever is led astray by them is not wise. So Proverbs 23 29 to 32 says, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaints, who has needless bruises, who has bloodshot eyes. Those who linger over wine when it goes down smoothly, in the end it bites like a snake and it poisons like a viper. So interestingly, the wine that goes down smoothly and initially might bring a sense of false peace turns around and bites you. And that's the case with all addictions. Um, As I said before, you may think you're using a substance or a behavior um, to help you, but in the end, it turns around and uses you. Um, And I believe that's also where the enemy gets into um, people that are at an abuse or dependency level. Um, There's a whole overlap there when you expose your mind, open up your mind to in particular with drunkenness and hallucinogenic drugs, um, there can be a direct crossover into the demonic realms uh, beyond the scope of tonight's program. But there is, it is important to note that some of the raging that happens when people are drunk or high uh, can be fueled demonically because you've get kind of opened up your mind to having no hope of safety, no protective umbrella, if you were, if you will, um, when you're um, at that level of it. So this topic of alcoholism in particular is very clearly portrayed in scripture for us. And that's because the Lord is not trying to bog us down with rules and um, have us live under legalism, which is how a lot of people take this, but he's trying to protect us from needless pain and suffering. Um, so Romans thirteen thirteen says, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness. And first Timothy three, two through three and eight says, now the overseer, and this has to do with people in the church, uh, perhaps deacons, perhaps um, elders must be above reproach. Temperate, self-controlled, respectable, not given to drunkenness. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, pursuing dishonest gain. So you can see that um, in a leadership role um, within the body of Christ, these things are also pointed out in particular um, for those people, such that they would not fall prey to those things, nor would they be stumbling blocks to other people. Um, so addictions then at their core can be seen as attempting to fill what I've called and many people have called the God-shaped vacuum that exists in each of us with something other than Christ. So sometimes we don't even realize what we're thirsty for. Yearnings deep within people can drive them from one relationship or behavior or material possession to the next constantly looking for that fulfillment and that's why all of these things that I just named will never satisfy they'll never bring that true lasting fulfillment they might bring pleasure for a season 
um, but they're not going to bring anything that's a lasting source of fulfillment. So our desires can set us on edge, um, and yet we know instinctively that once we, once we quote, grasp the um, – once we would, quote, grasp realness, we will be satisfied. And what I mean by realness in this case is finding that in Christ. The problem is there are so many counterfeits and substitutes, like I talked about before. So if we could only find and hold on to what our souls crave and at their core what are so long to be with God and to be closer to God. So I would just encourage you, if you're in this area at all of maybe struggling with some level of use of alcohol or drugs, prescription meds, and you're getting concerned about that, you know, take some time to sit down and look at what is it you're really wanting or what is it you're really trying to run from? Is there a level of pain? Is there a level of grief? Is there guilt? Is there shame? You know, it's, it's, it's when you ask the Lord to be part of the process of searching your heart, like Psalm 51 talks about, um, he is faithful to show you exactly what's going on that's causing you to seek to either numb out or be satisfied in ways other than he has recommended for us. Um, Nothing and nobody will satisfy our soul the way that Jesus can. And he fills all of our cravings. And David knew that, um, again, in Psalms, when he wrote in Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So he's aware, David, that what he really wants is God. And then Psalm 42, one through two states, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And many of us know this from a song that uh, was sung several decades ago and still is. Um, The verse goes on to say, my soul thirsts. For God, for the living God, where can I go and meet with God? So I think if we break it down to the core, this is what it always winds up with. It's hard sometimes to get there. We're in a condition of just always looking for the next fix, always looking for the next dopamine burst, as we say in my field. Anything to get you out of reality, anything to get you away from your problems problematic relationships, problematic issues at work, problematic um, circumstances of any kind will drive a person to look for relief. And um, that's where when things are out of our control, we have to remember that God is in control. Um, So one piece that I just wanted to share here in terms of people who might be trying to reduce or or eliminate their use of substances of whatever level, whatever type, is the uh, wisdom that whatever you feed grows and whatever you starve dies. And what I mean by that is if you're wanting to stop using, let's say there's been an opioid crisis in this this nation, let's say you were hooked on Percocet, um, given given it uh, as a relief for pain, but then it turned into dependency, which can happen very quickly with these types of drugs. Um, If you continue to feed that addiction, it will get stronger and stronger. If you starve it, if you resist the art of resistance, as it it were, um, eventually that craving will die off. So again, whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies. That's something I use frequently with patients in my practice um, when it comes to any type of behavior that the flesh wants to engage in um, and how to, instead of feeding that and having it grow, how to actually starve it. Um, Another element that we need to be aware of is the flesh is always going to be out of balance in almost anything. So I think that's another reason why there are so many warnings in Scripture about this very topic because the flesh does not have a sense of balance, (laughs) if you will. Um, When we walk in the spirit, when we walk uh, from the new creation self, the Bible says that we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Um, So I always say that excess is the devil's playground. Um, Addictions are the result of the flesh being out of control 
in whatever area you might have an addiction. Um, and so we have to remind ourselves that we don't owe our flesh anything. You don't have to uh, succumb to the demands of your flesh. You have a choice. You can say, you know what, I'm going to choose not to indulge in that right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose not to have that drink. I'm going to choose not to, um, you know, mess with that particular drug or prescription medication. We don't have to become slaves to our flesh. And essentially, that's the definition of addiction. Um, you're giving yourself over to your flesh. And by, by that, I mean um, the unregenerate nature um, that we all are born with, but once we accept Christ, we are given a new nature, we're spiritually reborn, and we have the option then of living from the new self, um, which some, some Bibles say that live from the new man, um, the new self, it's the same thing. Putting to death the old man means putting to death of the flesh, the fleshly appetites, the desires, and um, living from the new self mean, means living in the power of the Holy Spirit, living from your true identity and who you truly are in the Lord. Um, so those are the, the meanings of those terms. And I, I think one way that we can live more, if you will, from a perspective of our new self is to know who that new self is. Um, and to know who that new self is, you have to know your identity in Christ. That's something I have said on many programs in the past. I'm very passionate about that. Um, help co-author a book about that. Um, and learning who you are in the Lord helps on so many levels and especially getting set free from things that don't need to define you. The flesh will never be satisfied anyway, and it'll continually want more and more. And um, there's a scripture, the verse is escaping me now, but it talks about um, if you continue to satisfy the flesh, the end thereof is death. So if it does not have balance, and um, as I said, it, it won't be satisfied. And you'll go through life continuing try to, trying to satisfy something that will not be fulfilled. So what is the Bible's answer to addiction? The Apostle Paul was very familiar with trials and tragedies. Uh, he had many in his life. Um, he looked beyond this life's pain to the comfort of the Holy Spirit's ministry and the hope of spending eternal, or, sorry, eternity with our Heavenly Father. So he shared some thoughts that I want to share with you um, in Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. And he says the following, and I'm sure many listeners are familiar with this. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So we know that the whole creation has been groaning in us as the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and the redemption of our physical bodies. And so that's a great scripture that really kind of spells out, um, you know, the Apostle Paul's view on this struggle that is common to man of living in a, a fallen world and in a fleshly body. Um, while awaiting our uh, redemption and the heavenly bodies, the new bodies that we will gain when we are with the Lord for eternity. Um, Reverend Chuck Swindoll, who is a uh, very well-known preacher and Bible scholar, um, has a, a quote that I'd like to read. He says, designed for heaven, primed for its joys and blessings, we groan as we wait. The world mocks us for believing God's word, but Jesus invites us to hope in him. He makes us new and clean. We have the, quote, first fruits of the spirit, as stated in Romans 8:23, which I just read. In the midst of a groaning creation, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. How can we wait 
when hoping can be so difficult. And there's another scripture we're familiar with. I'm sure it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. It literally causes discouragement when you've hoped for something and you wait so long and it doesn't come to pass. Um, it can bring your heart down. And that's why it's so important that we guard our hearts. Um, but Swindoll here goes on to say that um, God did not save us to leave us in futility. Our hope is real, but not yet here. And verse 24 says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. We are between the now of salvation and the not yet of heaven. We try to solve the tension of being stuck between the now of salvation and heaven's fulfillment by turning from the unseen to the seen, from waiting to grasping from depending on a perspective to depending upon an experience. And I just think this is so well said because essentially this is the common experience of human beings. Um, While we are in this in-between state, if you will, in in the context of um, having a renewed body that won't crave all kinds of things that, that are destructive to us, we need to learn how to deal with those temptations and those desires so that they don't um, get the best of us. To share with you a few uh, scriptures and a couple other just encouragements here before we begin to wrap up tonight. And um, just let these kind of minister to you and um, if you feel so led and jotting them down. But, um, so Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, The new creation has come and the old has gone. And that goes back to what I was saying about living from the new creation self. When you're in Christ, you're made new. That doesn't mean you still don't have a flesh to contend with, but you no longer are identified as uh, being in, you know, the old man. The old nature is gone upon salvation and all things have become new. The challenge then is to live from the new creation self using your identity in Christ, as I mentioned. Um, Satan's first device to draw the soul into sin is to present the bait and hide the hook. So these are just some pieces of wisdom that um, I had written down that can sort of help um, if you're in the midst of a struggle um, pertaining to substances. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body, care of your body. I'm adding that as I say that. But in, in essence, we need to take care of the temple. The Holy Spirit resides in us, so our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, peace of mind can come from releasing things that you were never meant to carry, whether it be, excuse me, um, unforgiveness or shame or false guilt. You know, there's inward work that needs to be done um, when someone is truly pursuing sobriety from alcohol or drugs. And a lot of that inward work involves looking at what you've been carrying and what you've been trying to run from um, and numb out against. Once you can get to the core of that, and I realize this is not a therapy program, but (laughs) once you get to the core of that, some of the desire for substances will begin to subside as you address the root. Um, 1 John 5, 21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. So just a question to ponder, what threatens to take God's place in your heart today? We always want him on the throne. We don't want anything else on the throne of our heart. Um, Isaiah forty three nineteen says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And so it's kind of a, um, another point to be made that God is wanting to have us view the fact that um, he wants to do a new work in our hearts um, as we 
desire more and more of him. We're transformed from glory to glory, um, from level to level of maturity in Christ. Um, So there are ways that we can not feed our flesh, as I talked about before, whatever you uh, feed grows, whatever you starve dies. Um, You can reckon yourself dead to sin. Um, You can reject the old man or the the unregenerate man, Um, and you can do it now. This is an identity battle. You don't have to spend six months repenting before you can begin to walk in your new identity in Christ if you're already a believer, you, you become all of the things the, that the Lord tells you you are the moment you receive salvation. So, like I said, when you can see yourself from a new creation standpoint, it becomes easier to walk, your, walk out your life in that way and not become a slave to your flesh. You have no obligation to your flesh to try to figure it out. And you will take on the appetite of the identity you choose. So if you continue to feed the flesh, you're going to have stronger and stronger appetites for things of the flesh. If you, can, if you start to feed the spirit uh, by reading scripture, by spending time just, you know, in praise and in prayer, then you'll start to take on those appetites and you'll see those appetites grow. Um, so a lot of times getting sober is a journey. There are certainly times when I've seen the Lord um, deliver my patients from an addiction um, instantaneously, but that is not the norm. Typically, the Lord wants us to walk this process out. That being said, when God sets you free, don't go back. Stay free. Um, and that's an important piece. If he sets you free from something, don't go running back to the very thing that you were just released from. Um, also, another scripture that, that is helpful to many Second um, Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit helps us get set free. We don't have to strive, and yes, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to uh, overcome any type of addiction. I don't care what it is, but when we rely on the strength and power of the Holy Spirit, that's the key, and that's what makes it easier. The grace of God is what makes this easier if we can understand his grace it's not something we earn or deserve it's a gift and ask for his grace and listen to teachings on it and understand what it means for us that grace can help us get set free from anything Um, one final phrase to land on you are either working on recovery or you're working on relapse and I think that's a particularly on point uh, piece of wisdom because you don't just stay steady in the middle if you're someone that struggles with an addiction. You have to be working towards one goal or the other. You will either be pulled back down into addiction uh, or you will be choosing to work on recovery and doing the things that you need to do stay free. So on that note, what are some coping mechanisms that can help you to stay sober? Uh, typically, a person struggling with substance abuse returns to alcohol or drugs as a way of coping um, with emotional pain, as I said before. Um, and the brief reprieve, even if it's five minutes, that that person experiences is sometimes enough to keep luring that person back to abusing the substance. So the solution to this dilemma is to learn new non-chemical ways to cope with emotions. And again, a lot of that can be dealt with uh, with help of a professional, if it's deep-seated. For some people, it's enough to know their new identity in the Lord. It all depends upon what the root issue is. Um, so the addicted person's original non-chemical ways of coping likely did not work initially uh, because they are the ones he used as a child um, to try to protect himself or maybe to survive a dysfunctional family of origin atmosphere. So a lot of coping skills that people have were developed in childhood and helped in childhood, but now as adults, they are no longer helpful. And in fact, they are to that person's detriment. So learning new coping skills and new approaches to life, in other words, taking life 
as it comes, living life on life's terms, not living life on your terms, not needing everything to be perfect in order to feel safe or feel that you have a quality of life. Um, these are coping skills that most people don't, they aren't taught that as a child. And they have to kind of find it out the hard way when they realize that their original coping skills are no longer serving them well. Um, so once that, that acknowledgement that the coping skills are no longer working is, has been made, then a person can begin to learn how to replace those non-functional skills with healthy, health, healthy coping skills suitable for an adult. Um, and this may have been what Paul is alluding to in his letter to the church at Corinth when he writes, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And that's from 1 Corinthians 13, 11. So there again, just in the developmental process of going from a child to an adult, we can pick up all kinds of ways to cope with life that as children, it doesn't cause much consequence, but as we grow older, we find that um, this is no longer something that's going to help. And then once we recognize that, that can help keep us away from falling into addiction and help turn us towards finding um, healthier ways to cope, like some of the ones that I just suggested to you. Um, So there are some basic steps just in closing once again here as we wind down that we can do to begin to change behavior. And I'll just read through these for you. These are simplified statements for in the interest of time. Um, But nonetheless, this is the process that most people will go through when they're trying to get set free. Um, So the first step um, would involve acknowledging that a problem exists. And this is harder than you might think. A lot of people deny they have a problem. If you continue to deny that you have a problem, um, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. So the first step is acknowledging that change needs to occur. Um, Then there needs to be some level of desire to change. It doesn't mean you're going to love it. It doesn't mean you're going to 100% have a strong desire, but there needs to be some desire there. And from that, a commitment to change. And then from there, control in the area that you're struggling with. Um, Not focusing on the addictive behaviors, but understanding that through Christ, you can move forward and not live in the past or from the fleshly nature, which craves all kinds of things that are um, very unhealthy for us when taken to an extreme. Remember how I stated that the flesh does not do anything in a balanced way. It likes to get off into either ditch. So there's just the final um, little uh, paragraph here that I want to share with you from a book called The Child Within, and it's written by Portia Nelson. And there's a section within it called Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. So this can kind of be seen as the journey and the process of, uh, of changing unhealthy behaviors into healthy ones. Chapter one says, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two says, I walk down the street. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three says, I walk down the same street again. I see the hole. I fall in. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four says, I walk down the same street. I walk around the hole. And chapter five says, I walk down another street. So I think that kind of gives a good visual of um, how we can learn um, how to avoid our own pitfalls by acknowledging what they are and then choosing options that will keep us away from them um, so that we don't get drawn in. And the bottom line is, you know, this is all a process. And like I said, in many cases, you might need um, maybe medical support for detoxing or professional help to help you get free of a a substance addiction. Um, A lot of factors are involved with addiction. And I didn't have time to go through them all in detail tonight, but I'll just mention them. There are biological factors, psychological, neurophysiological, social, 
emotional, and behavioral. So addiction is pretty much all-encompassing in terms of the areas of the brain and the soul that are involved and the physical body. Um, And so in the deep throes of severe addiction, like I said, medical detox is sometimes indicated or um, suggested. Uh, It's difficult to do this alone, but the Lord is your strength, and the Holy Spirit will continue to provide his power when you activate your will and make the decision to no longer live in bondage. He just waits for you to activate your will. And through Christ, you'll be able to be a victorious overcomer as you surrender to his strength to set you free. So that's all the time that we have for tonight. I hope that you found this broadcast helpful. And if you are someone that's struggling right now with addiction, I'd just like to close out in a word of prayer for you. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. And I pray that um, everyone that you have caused to tune in to listen this evening, Lord, wherever uh, they're at and whatever they're struggling with, Lord God, if they're struggling with an addiction of any kind um, and are looking to get set free, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just stir up that desire for freedom, help them to set their will um, to go forward and no longer carry the bondage of addiction with them or bring people across their path that would help them to get set free, Lord. I pray that you would minister your words of truth and the truth of who they are in you to their hearts, Lord God, so that they would know they don't have to choose to live like this anymore, that they can live from the new creation self, from who they became because of your finished work on the cross when they accepted you into their hearts, Lord God. And I just pray, God, for um, your comfort, your strength, and, Lord, your um, your help to any and all that are wrestling in this area tonight. And whether they've been wounded relationally uh, by being shamed for having struggled with this, I pray that you would take out those fiery darts as well. Um, heal any wounds that may have come from others that were well-intentioned but perhaps didn't carry the message in a way that was helpful. Lord, I just pray for healing um, and taking out hooks of offense in that area as well, Lord. We thank you, God, that you don't shame us. We thank you that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We thank you that um, we are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can do all things through him who gives us strength. And so I just pray this now for everyone listening. Bless them, protect them, and keep them safe. And we just ask all these things in your glorious and holy name. Amen. Thanks again so much for listening this evening. I hope you'll join me again next month for my next broadcast. And if you'd like to contact me directly at Healing Word, which is my private practice, please feel free to call me at 414-254-9862 or visit my website. It's www.healing-word.com. Thank you very much, and God's richest blessings be upon you.